I've been in the ministry for 60 years. And today, I have the privilege, and I want to emphasize that word, I have the privilege of preaching to you the first sermon that I've ever preached on tithing. <laughs> We're going to talk about giving. Giving to the Lord, giving to His church, giving to His kingdom. And I am saying to you, openly confessing and regretting, that I have not emphasized that in past ministry. And that's my flaw. That's my fault. Somewhere in my background, I reacted to the old thing that, oh, all the church wants is money. And the preacher's always talking about money. And they beg us for money every time we go to church. Well, I reacted to that inappropriately, and I just said, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not a money person. I don't worry about money. I don't think about money an awful lot. I'm grateful for the Lord's blessings that we have lived for many years with what we need and what is a part of our lives. But I have come under conviction uh, as I've prayed, as I've talked, as we've talked some, and I realize that part of the joy, and I want to emphasize that word, Part of the joy of being a Christian is to share with God's people, with God's church, with God's kingdom, and part of it is to give our money. I've said to you many times that we're not to be spectators, we're to be participatory in all of what God wants. Well, that certainly applies to giving of our financial means. And so today and next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about the joy of giving to the Lord and to His church. Now, where did this come from? I am thankful from where it came. And it's through our finance committee here at Kings Grant Baptist Church. Because back around the 1st of December, they invited me and Pastor Scott and the other staff people to be in a meeting with them. And we talked very seriously about the needs of this church family, financially and for giving and for the contributions that we need in order to move forward as a healthy church family. Now, as a part of that, and I promise I'm not going to do any of this to beat you over the head, or to put you into a guilt trip. I do not believe in that. That's part of why I am confessing to you that I've never talked about this. But the fact is, and I want you to listen very carefully. Some of you know this fact. But in the finance committee and also in the transition team, we've looked at finances related to King's Grant Baptist Church. And from the year 2020 until the present time, 2023, so in the past three years, we have declined in our giving by 22%. Now, I want that to sink in a little bit because that's a pretty healthy chunk of decline. And so we are coming in prayer and in effort and in ministry 
to do something about that. Because I hope you realize, I believe that you would realize, that right now we are in the process of seeking a full-time permanent pastor. This fellow that's sitting before you will not be here. I trust very much longer, and I don't say that because I'm ready to go. I love being here, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. However, the Pastor Search Committee is working diligently in seeking a new and permanent and full-time pastor, for which I'm very thankful. Guess what, folks? That costs money. And that comes from the family of King's Grant Baptist Church. Also, we're looking at desiring and seeking a full-time pastor of worship, music and worship. That costs money. We also need an office staff person, a full-time secretary. We have some wonderful volunteers and helpers in our office, and for that, all of us are very thankful, and they do a pleasant, positive, wonderful job. But we need somebody whose full responsibility is that. Well, and please understand that as I'm saying this, we're not just talking about hiring staff and having a full-time complement of staff people, but we're talking about ministry and outreach and growth for the church because that's what it's all about because the pastor, the pastor of discipleship, uh, the music director, all of us, youth, children, we're here to equip the body of King's Grand Baptist Church for ministry. And so it's all wrapped together in a wonderful plan that you and I need to pay attention to. And so today... Uh, I ask you to pray with me and for me as I encourage you, challenge you, share with you scripture that are very important related to giving and to taking care of the finances of our church family. Now, having said all that, I want to initially say that this whole business of giving is a foundational concept in our Christian experience. And I'm sure that you realize that. And if you don't, let me just mention the very basic and maybe the most familiar passage of Scripture that we have. For God so loved the world that he gave. There's the key word. They he gave his only son so that those of us that believe in him would not perish but have the wonderful gift of eternal life. Now, on top of that and on top of the giving of Jesus Christ into this world for our salvation, our Heavenly Father, Almighty God, through Jesus Christ, gives us over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So giving is foundational. It is an integral part of our Christian life. And so, again, I regret that I have not approached the joy of giving. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
because the joy comes when our hearts and our behavior is in accord with God's word and with God's plan. So the motivation, the motivation for this giving is the command. I'm sure you're familiar with the passage in Malachi that says that you're to bring your tithe into the storehouse, which means the local church that's right here. And so God is commanding us there and in many other places to give of ourselves, which includes our finances and our material blessings. And so we are under a command from our Heavenly Father to give. And then the motivation for your giving has got to be in your heart. I want to declare very emphatically that it's not up to me as your pastor right now. It's not up to our staff. It's not up to our finance committee. And in no way are we interested in beating anybody over the head to insist or to force or to demand or no. But it is in your heart. So I want to just mention here kind of at the outset that I want you to know that part of this is a test. It is a test for you and me as to where our heart is. And there is a passage of Scripture in the 6th chapter of Matthew, verses 19 through 21, that speaks very specifically to that. And I want to apply it at this point because it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, for moth and rust does destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that last phrase is applicable to what we're saying. Because for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, the implication is that if your treasure is not in giving and in funding and sharing with God's kingdom, then your heart's not there either. And I believe, I trust, I pray that your heart is right here with the Lord or you wouldn't even be sitting here this morning. You wouldn't be coming to the church. You wouldn't be fellowshipping with us. And so your heart being here, I trust then that your treasure it will also be here. Your giving will be a matter of a committed heart. Now, the fact is, is that that heart... Where, from where does that come? Because you and I have sometimes a hard heart. Remember, I've said to you that we are selfish people. Uh, every one of us in the room right now struggles with selfishness. And in that, our heart is not ready and joyful in giving. Our selfishness wants to keep wants to hang on to, to hoard, to be, if you will, stingy. That's part of our human experience. But we're talking about where the heart comes from. And the heart comes back to, for God so loved the world that he gave. Our heart willing to give with joy and all that we need in order to be men and women of faith, our heart needs to come from the grace of God. 
And that is all that the gifts that he gives and the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. There is the transformation of our heart. And so as I move through this next passage of Scripture, there, is, there are lessons here, very important lessons, important principles for you and me to consider, to pray about, and I, I pray and I hope to abide by. Because we're going to look at the, the book of 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 9. And there are principles here that are basic to what we need to consider today. And you may realize that Paul is writing this to the Corinthian Christians. Paul, the apostle, the missionary, having established several churches in the known region during those days. He is challenging all of them to have a joyful heart for giving. And that's what we're going to talk about today and also next Sunday. But I want to begin there in chapter 8. It's on the screen or if you want to look in your own scriptures, please do. But I'm going to begin with the first verse of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And the scripture says, and now brothers... Now stop right there. <laughs> Who is Paul talking to? I'm going to add brothers and sisters. He's talking to Christian people. This is written to some of his Christian converts that are part of his churches. He's writing this one particularly to the Corinthians. But he's also writing this to King's Grant Baptist Church here 2,000 years later. And so for our emphasis and for our thoughts here this morning we're going to say that he is saying scripture is saying and now brothers and sisters we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches now that's verse one of this section of scripture who are the Macedonian churches this is some of the churches that Paul has started over the years it's in the northern region around the known world at that time. And you'll, re you'll recognize some of the names of the churches. This was the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, and the church at Berea. And these are known churches that were seeking the Lord. And Paul is about to use them here for the Corinthian Christians as an example, as an encouragement, as a challenge with principles in the area of giving and sharing. And so this he is saying here that he wants to tell them about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Now what is that grace? It's what I said a moment ago. It is a willingness to be outside of yourself and not be a selfish person a selfish brother or a sister. And this grace is what was being experienced in the Macedonian church. And he is about to say that it is a demonstration of joy. Now I want you to think about that because it's going to be reflected in much of what I say today and also next Sunday. It's a reflection of joy in the heart and in the mind 
and in the behavior of these people in the Macedonian churches. It also needs to be an encouragement to you and me to have this same attitude of joy in the church at Kings Grant Baptist here in Virginia Beach. He goes on with verse 2. He says, Out of the most severe trial there, which means the Macedonian churches, the people there, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, let's take that apart a little bit. Please pay attention carefully to what this is being said because Paul is saying these folks in the Macedonian church out of their severe trial. Now, what was their severe trial? The fact is these people in the Macedonian church were broke. <laughs> it goes on to say right there, their extreme poverty. So out of their severe trial and their extreme poverty, but with joy. See, those things are all mixed together. Now, what would you think? What would I think? Man, I'm broke. You think I'm supposed to give to the church, to the kingdom of God? No way. i got to buy food, yes. But we're going to see something about these people, and we're also going to see something about God's faithfulness in giving joy and provision as we give because Paul is saying that with a mixture of their severe trial and their joy and their extreme poverty, sounds a little strange, yes, but out of that there comes the result of rich generosity, free and rich giving to God's kingdom. And that's a part of what we need to, to think about. Now, was it something, and we're going to see this a little bit later, but it, was it something that Paul was beating them over the head with? No, this was a part of their overflow. That's what verse 2 indicates, because they were going through poverty, they were going through their own personal needs, but they had a joy in the Lord, because He gave, and He gives. And you and I have the privilege of those gifts. And then out of that joy, there was an overflow. It was a spontaneous thing, and it's, there's some powerful statements on as we move forward. Verse 3, Paul says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. So they had a budget. I had one couple come up to me after the first service today and they said, Pastor, yesterday we sat down at our kitchen table and we established our budget for 2024. Well, she was saying that this sermon this morning was timely, that God had a purpose in the timing of what I'm sharing with you for her family. And she was saying that they certainly are considering their budget as these people did. Paul is saying, I testify that they gave as much as they were able. But he doesn't stop there, folks. And I'm so thankful. And he says, as they were able and even beyond their ability. 
Now, there is a key phrase for you and me. It's called sacrificial giving. Because Paul is saying, as he's emphasized in this grace and this right attitude and right heart, that these people gave as much as they were able, but even more than their ability. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a strain sometimes for us, has been over the years. But I also know that for most of us, we do work out some way for us to get and pay for what we want or maybe what we need. And so some way we can adjust or finagle or put aside some things. And yes, I know that you get and I get things that I want. And I know sometimes they cost more than what maybe we should be paying. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how much I pay for my boots. And fortunately, I haven't bought any in a long time. They last. But you and I usually get what we want or need. Now, these people were giving according to what they were able, but doing more. They were sacrificing something in order to go beyond their ability. That's what he said. And then there's one more sentence at the end of this verse. It's very, very important. Because Paul says that they were doing this, going beyond their ability, being sacrificial in their giving, and he's saying entirely on their own. Now, I want to emphasize again that this whole business of giving and part of why I rejected it years ago and over the years. I don't believe in pressure. I don't believe in guilt trips. I don't believe in pastors or church staff or finance committees hounding people. I believe in all of us coming together under God's guidance and praying earnestly about what is to be according to God's leadership, and then being willing to give in the joy of giving. And that is what is still being emphasized here. These people in the Macedonian churches were experiencing joy, and it's, re it's reflected in what we see as we go into to verse 4. The Scripture says, They, that's the Macedonian people, the churches and the Macedonian churches, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Now, I love that phrase. Do you see that these people were, were obsessive? They were committed. They were, their heart was so overflowing with the joy of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that these fo folks urgently pleaded that is begging <laughs> these people were begging for what for the privilege of sharing in the support of the saints they were begging paul and begging their leadership for the privilege of participating in this whole process of sacrificial giving that's such an important 
a statement of their spirit, a statement of their heart, a challenge to you and me as to what we need to do as far as our giving. So they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And he goes on to say, and they did not do as we expected. Now, I'm not sure what Paul expected them, but maybe as he went amongst people, he knew the sinfulness of people. He knew the selfishness of people. Maybe he expected these people to be greedy, to hang on to their money, to not be willing to give. But now he's saying that they did this not as we expected, but they gave them first to the Lord. Now there's a key phrase. Do you understand that this was an act of worship for these people? They sacrificed themselves and their own needs and their own wants. They gave with a willing heart. They gave in the midst of joy and also in the midst of poverty. And they gave more than what they could actually afford or budget because they went to the Lord first. And that is such a, an important phrase. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. So Paul is saying that these people, their heart, where was their heart? What was their heart? Their heart was one of commitment. Their heart was one of sacrifice. Their heart was one of, of thankfulness. So thankful that they could give to the saints, to other people that they loved. We're going to switch down now to verse 8. Paul is saying, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. Now, that's an interesting phrase. Sometimes we don't want to be tested. Sometimes we want to keep it just to ourselves. And I promise you, nobody's going to check your finances. Nobody's going to check what you give or don't give. No, that's not what we're doing at all. Nobody. Finance committee, staff, nobody is going to check that. But in attitude, we are to be tested. We are servants of the Lord. And Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, to the churches in Macedonia, that I want to test. He says, I'm not commanding you. He's not beating him over the head. He's not coercing them. I, I'm not commanding you, but I do want to give a legitimate test to what? To your spirit of love. Now I want to say a word about that. I, I've said many times that we're not to be spectators. We're to participate in this whole business of being a Christian church, a Christian, Christian families, Christian men, Christian women, that we're to participate. And so... Here is a statement that we are to be tested in our participation. And I just, I have to ask myself, and I want to ask you, do we pass the test? If Paul was 
writing to us, and I'm saying he is, if we're standing before the Lord and we're tested on our attitude of heart, therefore our attitude of giving, do we pass the test? Are we living up to what love is to be about? I, I must say to you, in all of our love relationships, love is not just a feeling. Now, I'm in favor of good loving feelings. I love to be loved and I love to give love. It's part of what Christians are to do. But it's not just a feeling. It's more. Love is more than a feeling. Love is actually a plan of action that we are to act as loving men and women, loving families, loving church families. Well, again, my question is, do we pass the test? Paul's saying, I'm testing your sincerity of love. Now, I'm not going to come and ask you personally, but I want you to think about that. What would your answer be about, what would my answer be about us individually, about Mickey and I as a family, about you and your family, and then certainly overall, we are a church family. And so Paul is saying, I want to test the sincerity of your love, of your action plan, of what are you doing or not doing. And unfortunately, I indicated earlier in my statements that there is a need in this church family. Now, kind of moving toward conclusion, but now with a sense of this whole business being a, an experience of joy, and, and would you agree that giving is a joy? Now, that may sound cliché-ish, but better to give than to receive, yes. Giving is a joy, yes. Do you experience joy when you give to somebody that you love? I'll tell you a quick example for Mickey and me. Years ago, our younger daughter and her husband were not able to have children. Just one of those things. We prayed earnestly. They went into medical treatments, all of the tests and the treatments and the in vitro and everything. And then that took five years. And then they spent another five years seeking international adoption. Well, guess what, folks? That costs lots of money. And my younger daughter and her husband are both school teachers. So you understand. They're not wealthy. And Mickey and I are not wealthy. However, God made it possible, and I want to emphasize that because I don't want the spotlight to be on me or on us, but God made it possible during these days for us to have a large amount of money. And so I gave my son-in-law $10,000 to apply to this whole business. They wanted children desperately. And we wanted grandchildren more. We already had some, but we wanted more. And so we were able to give that amount of money because of God's blessing. When I gave that money to Dave Ramsey, my son-in-law, the first thing he said to me is, Don, we can't take this. We can't pay you back. 
And I looked at him and I was so joyful to be able to say, Dave, we don't want you to pay us back. You're not supposed to pay us back because we love you both. And we want you to have this. And God has blessed us with this. And now you have the blessing from the Lord and from us. And that is a joy. That, that this is a, uh, I don't make up my stories. This is absolutely a true story. Now, it's interesting because Dave thought he was supposed to pay us back. And he was flabbergasted that I had the joy of saying, No, I don't need you to pay us back. And that taught this young man something. And believe it or not, God bless him, his father was a Christian minister. But Dave had no concept of this kind of joy, this kind of relationship, and this kind of, well, what about you? Surely you've given money to a loved one. Was that joyful? Maybe it was $10, or maybe it was $1,000. Maybe it was $10,000. Maybe it was more. But the joy in the heart that is right, then it's in the giving of. Well, the same thing when we come to God's kingdom and to God's church. And we come giving because He first gave. And so my last point to you and my last principle is wrapped around the fact of what this scripture says in verse 9. For it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he was rich. Now we're not talking about material gains here. We're talking about he was in heaven. He had the glory of heaven all about him. That is wealth beyond measure. And it says, Though he, Jesus Christ, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Now, how did he become poor? He came here. <laughs> he came here to this terrible place called the earth. He came here to die on a cross. So that, and it goes on to say this, so that you, through his poverty, through him becoming poor, might be rich. So here we are again, coming full circle back to the fact that we are to give with a joyful, proper heart because He first gave. There's the foundation. And I want to just read this scripture, remind you of it in the second chapter of Philippians. It's this powerful statement of the commitment of Jesus Christ in giving Himself because it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to take an advantage of. But Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death. That is the sacrifice that is before us. Now, did everything Jesus do while he was here, was that a, an experience of joy? I don't know that we can say that going to the cross was all joyful. But the heart was still joyful. I'm going to read from the 12th chapter of Hebrews because it says, 
let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, there's the word, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For the joy set before him, he went to the cross. Now, for you and me, the question is, what is our heart? What is our intention? What is your leadership from the Lord? Please, not from me or staff or finance committee, but from the Lord. What is your intention? What is your plan? And I'm not going to ask that of you personally. We're not going to pass out commitment cards right now. <laughs> I am sharing with you scripture and exactly what I believe is the element of joy in the giving to our Heavenly Father, to His kingdom, to this good and Christ-centered local church. Now, I'm sorry that we can't have our Lord's Supper right now. But I want us to take two minutes and just have a time of silence for you individually and maybe later as families, couples, whatever, to consider what I've been saying, what the Lord's been saying, what Scripture has just said through this fine lesson from this, the Second Corinthian book. So right now, I'm going to stop talking in just one moment. And I want us to be silent. I want you to spend the time praying, thinking, considering what the Lord has said to you. Not just what I've said, but what the Lord is leading you as far as experiencing the joy of generosity, the joy of giving out of a spirit and a heart of love. So right now, just a time of silence for consideration. <laughs> 